from the mind of the sapient simian. This is Nobody's Prodigy. Free-range ideas from beyond the box. Hello, and welcome to the second episode of The Sapient Simeon. I'm your host, The Clever Monkey. For this particular episode, I figured we would delve into the topic of imagination. I wanted to start with this topic because it lays a foundation upon which all of our other mental excursions are built, and I believe it's a valuable life skill that I think is traditionally underappreciated, especially by serious, practical, adult-type people. Um, I read an article a while back that said that as artificial intelligence takes over and as computers get to be more and more intelligent, a lot of the traditional jobs and skills that we think of as being mental and intelligence-based skills are actually going to become a lot less necessary and useful moving forward. Uh, Generally speaking, in the past, the mind was used for things uh, to reference things. You would use your mind to remember facts or remember dates. You would use your mind to do calculations. You would use your mind to um, reference uh, materials or, you know, to look up various types of materials and things. A lot of the jobs that you think of as being as um, sort of mental type jobs were jobs that were based in that. You know, your secretaries and your librarians and things of that sort were people that essentially did jobs that will be replaced by artificial intelligence. Because when it comes to looking up certain facts or referencing certain materials or calculating how much of a certain thing you have, generally speaking, artificial intelligence is just better at doing that. They are uh, more. Um, efficient, they're cheaper, they're easier, they don't take as long, they're a lot faster and and more connected in lots of different ways. It's not to say that these things won't necessarily still have value and that there won't be people involved in the actual transaction between the two, but the value of the human interaction in this case is really more of putting a face on that particular data, which is to say that people will present the data and will couch the data in interesting terms and will sort of fluff out the material in a way that will make it more palatable for people that that come along to experience it. But the skills that are involved in actually doing the rough, hard mental calculation is something that, that essentially is less and less valuable as time goes on. Now, I'm not necessarily a person that devalues the ability to do these things. I think that uh, being able to do your own things, being able to do your own math, for example, is exceedingly valuable. I always say that, um, you know, the thing that you should tell kids is is to learn to do math, otherwise everyone will rip you off. Um, If you can't actually work out the math yourself, then someone's going to come along and take advantage of that fact, and you will end up being um, taken advantage of in more than one way. So, I'm not necessarily devaluing that, but what I'm trying to say is that in the future, the thing that's more important and the aspect of humanity that is the more valuable and the more special and the more difficult to replicate is actually the human imagination. The ability to arrange items and assemble them in in a assembly-type process is something that can be done by machine without issue. The real trick in this case is to take one and one and make three. Uh, 
uh, which is to say to take something, two disparate things that don't have anything to do with each other, and to bring them together and to actually see a new way of putting them together, a new type of way of doing something that makes something that's never existed before, that makes something that no one has ever told you to do before. You can put a particular design into a computer and tell it to make that design, but to actually have it create a new design is a, a drastically more difficult thing to do. And the human mind itself has a natural propensity to do those sorts of things. So that is, that is the imagination. That's, that's the value of the imagination. Um, and that is sort of the best of the human mind. And that's, you know, really moving forward, that is the key thing that I think that people need to appreciate that has, like I said, fallen by the wayside, especially in traditional, serious-minded society. Um, especially when you look at the past, uh, Victorian educational systems, for example, the idea of memorizing things, the idea of memorizing timetables or memorizing facts and regurgitating these things on command, uh, wrote uh, sorts of things, you know, memorizing the states of the United States. Not to say there isn't value in knowing these things, but um, using education in the vein of making children remember things in a rote way and not understanding them and not sort of embracing them is really, it's, it's, it's an old way of doing things. It's a way that doesn't um, do the children any favors and doesn't really engage them. Um, and, you know, the important thing is really building the imagination. Uh, and that's a difficult thing to do. I think that especially now in this particular period, um, we are at a time when actual imagination building is more and more difficult to do. Uh, I think one of the difficulties with that is that we are presented with complete images of everything everywhere we go. Um, when you watch a movie, when you when you uh, play a video game or anything of that sort, all of the details are filled out for you. So there really isn't a need to fill in anything with your imagination. Um, Alfred Hitchcock uh, is famous for not actually showing the violence of his um, his his murders and things specifically, what he would do instead is would show the reaction of the person watching it, and it would be for your mind to actually fill in the specifics of what was being done, and in a way that was meant to make it more terrifying. Uh, I think that in a modern audience, people would find that to be uninteresting because they didn't get to see the specifics. And in a way, I think that does a disservice to the people that are watching because it allows the imagination to atrophy. If you don't use it, you will lose it. So in a way, if you don't get a chance to build those images and to learn how to do that, um, you really lose that ability. And it's something that is really easy to miss because you're not asked to fill in those gaps in a general way in your day-to-day -day life. Um, everything that you see is served up to you on a platter. And I think a big part of um, learning to develop that is you really have, have to have a need. You have to spend time being bored. You have to spend time having nothing to do 
having nothing to look at, having nothing to occupy your time, which is really anathema to the to the modern society. We are presented with uh, tons and tons of entertainment on demand all the time, any place, any time. But really, you need to have your mind fill in the gaps. And in order to fill in the gaps, you have to have gaps to fill in. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons why uh, people that live in environments that aren't provided with things, people that live with poverty, people that live with a lack of, tend to develop more of an ability to create, more of an ability to manufacture themselves to fill in those spaces. Um, in Cuba, for example, uh, there is a a sort of countrywide ability to manufacture and to create things from the materials that they're being given because of the embargo, they actually have a very limited amount of, of materials coming in. So they have learned because of the absence of ready replacement to innovate and to design new things based on the materials that they have. And it's really interesting to look into. Uh, I would encourage you to go and check those those uh, people out as far as some of the amazing designs that they've come up with and really interesting ways of adapting materials um, that allow them to uh, you really use their mind and, and get things that they want in the ways that they can get them. Um, and I think that that's important because I think that you have to have that period to discover your imagination, that period of forcing yourself to develop it. Um, but, you know, I also think that one thing that people tend to forget, and one thing that I learned as a child, is that imagination and creativity must be taught to children. Uh, the the techniques of imagination, they can sort of self-manifest, but really, the way that that people learn to create is to be around creativity. And it really helps to teach children to be creative and to use their imagination because it's not necessarily, especially in today's society, it's not necessarily directly evident that your imagination is an option, that your imagination is a possibility. Um, you know, and, and then there again, to take those skills and develop them, you really need to learn to play in a way that exercises those skills. And there again, it's a matter of leaving gaps and leaving spaces in your experience that you can fill in with your own mind, with your own imagination. Uh, when I was a child, one of the things that really I didn't appreciate at the time, but it ended up um, having a, a big impact on me is when we were little, uh, my mom used to wash our hair in the uh, bath, and we only had a, a regular bath, so we would have to lay backwards and uh, our, rinse our hair underneath the faucet. Um, and she was really particular and, and careful and loving about keeping the soap out of our eyes, so she would have us close our eyes. But we were so young, we didn't necessarily know to keep our eyes closed. So one thing she would do is she would tell us to close our eyes and tell her what we see. Um, now, when we were little, you didn't really, I mean, I didn't understand what she was asking. I, I didn't see anything. I, I just sort of saw nothing. But with that prompt, with that uh, instigation, I, I found myself saying, okay, well, um, let's tell mom a story. What could we possibly think of? And, you know, it took a while to sort of get comfortable with that idea. It took a while to get good at that. But after a while, 
um, I remember sitting there and, and saying, oh, I see uh, purple alligators and, and, and big pink spiders and just, you know, you name it, any number of things. And it was, it was an exercise in using my imagination and conjuring an image from nothing that really was something that I had to learn and a skill that I had to practice um, that came from that. Now, later on, as I went forward and began to actually do illustrations and drawing and painting and other sorts of creative type endeavors, I find myself presented with a very similar situation where I would be sitting in front of a blank canvas and I would say to myself, so what do I see? What What is it that I want to put down? And with that experience, with that uh, developed skill already, um, it just sort of... It, gave me the confidence and the understanding that I can do whatever at that point. You know, when you're a child, you're you're taught not to lie, you're taught to be honest, you're taught to say what's actually happening. So when you say something like, I see a, a purple giraffe, you know, at first you think to yourself, am I allowed to say that? Is that the right thing to say? Um, but to learn that you may actually see that. That may actually be good. And of course, my mom was very supportive and very uh, encouraging and, and was always very interested to hear what we had to say. I'm sure it was enjoyable for her as well. But um, it was an instance where uh, it encouraged me not only to embrace my ability to conjure images from nothing, but also to embrace the freedom of conjuring whatever I wanted, whatever I could imagine. And I can imagine anything I want. That sort of freedom... Uh, is something that you have to sort of be exposed to and then embrace and understand. Um, and I think that that is an important skill that I consciously remember being taught or remember learning. Uh, I don't know that she necessarily thought of it that way when she was doing it, but it was something that definitely uh, developed my mind moving forward, and it's something that I have definitely been thankful for um, in the future. Uh, another sort of skill, another way I think that children have to be um, taught to use their imagination that I think is very valuable is something I call seeing the invisible ball, which is to say filling in the gaps for items and uh, objects and things that, that are not there. Um, I remember with uh, my nieces and nephews, I don't actually have children, but with my nieces and nephews, uh, I would go to get toys and things from the store. And I remember hearing people say, oh, well, this toy doesn't have lights that work, or this toy doesn't have a siren, or this toy, the wheels don't turn, or anything along those lines. Now, I grew up uh, with very little money. Um, so when we were little, our toys didn't necessarily do anything. A lot of times, we had precious few things, but when we did, a lot of times they would not have lots of features and, and action to them, not to mention, of course, it, would have, it was in the 80s, and uh, there wasn't a lot of super detailed type toys. Um, I remember uh, we had uh, rubber uh, wrestler dolls that you that had a hole in their back. You put your thumb on. The idea was, was you could thumb wrestle with them, and they were huge, but uh, they were stiff. They didn't move. Their arms didn't move. They were solid rubber, had no articulation. And and I can recall hearing people complain about an action figure that didn't bend at the waist or didn't, you know, bend at the knee. And and those rubber action figures that we had when I was a kid didn't do anything. They, they didn't 
literally didn't do anything, but you would sort of squish them together and make them fight and, and you know, make them wrestle each other. And, and you would fill in all of those gaps. Um, I think that that's an important thing to remember, not only there, but moving on from that point, I think that you also have to look at the idea of taking something that is not what it is and making it something else. You know, not just taking a car, a toy car, and making it have engine noises, but taking a toy car and pretending it's a fire truck when it's really a car, or taking um, a stick that that is not at all car like, but pretending it is a car and using it that way. That's that's sort of another step along the process. Um, and then, of course, the ultimate to that, which is why it's called uh, seeing the invisible ball, is the idea of seeing the thing that you are imagining with nothing there. The idea of seeing and interacting with something that is not there. Um, having a fire truck when there is nothing there and making the noises and moving it around and imagining all the stuff that you would do when there's nothing actually there. And that is such a valuable skill that I think that uh, you really miss out on uh, when you're presented with everything that you want, when you're presented with everything that you could have and everything has all the skills that you have. Um, the ability to see and interact with things that aren't there mean that you can have anything that you can do anything that you can that you can create anything and especially moving forward uh in my own life um i have designed lots of different um machinery and i enjoy designing houses and those sorts of things and the ability to visualize and manipulate those objects without actually having anything there uh really is an extension of that skill um, Nikola Tesla, for example, uh, is well known for saying that he would design all of his mechanisms in his head, and he would take them apart and put them together and try them out, all before he ever actually made anything at all. And then when he actually did make it, he invariably, according to him, said that everything worked the way that he thought it would because he did it all in his head ahead of time. And that is that same skill of being able to manipulate things and see things that aren't actually there. Um, and I think that that is another skill that is imagination-based that is something that is belittled or something that is, is looked down upon. Uh, if you see a child that doesn't have anything, uh, you tend to think, oh, I will get them the thing that they, that they need or the thing that they want. Um, you know, when you buy a child a doll, for example, you want to make sure it has all the accessories and things. Um, you know, the, the Cherokee people, uh, a lot of times, well, uh, traditionally they wouldn't put faces on their dolls because they didn't want their dolls to have spirits. But that also meant that the child could infer into the doll's face any expression or any feeling they wanted. It didn't, look a certain way so they could make it happy or sad or whatever. They could read into that face whatever they wanted, which is the same idea of filling in the gaps. Um, and I think that's important. I think that there's a real importance in that. And I think that a lot of times um, we live in an, a society that belittles that that idea. One thing that I have come across several times, and I've I've encouraged my brothers with their children to encourage them is never to belittle the idea of daydreaming. Daydreaming is a valuable and life-saving skill for me. Um, there have been times when I've been in stressful, difficult situations I cannot get out of, and the ability to escape that environment 
and to go somewhere else and to think of something else and to pull it apart and and and, and play with it and manipulate it and and you know to to embrace the freedom of creating anything because i have that first skill of closing my eyes and just imagining something to take that and then mix it with the skill of the invisible ball which is to say to actually be able to feel it and interact with it and manipulate it and maneuver around it um you know to use those things and then to embrace the idea of being able to step out of my environment and not feel ashamed of that not feel as if that is somehow um childish or uh, you know, a, a shameful thing to do has saved my life and has really made it possible for me to uh, learn new things and embrace new things. And it's something that I really think is underappreciated and underutilized in today's society. Um, I think that it, it's important to build that mental agility. And a lot of times I think the, the term creativity is uh, because of that sort of uh, work ethic is is geared toward what are you making? What are you doing? You know, what are you painting? Oh, you're creative. What are you making? You know, what what's the product of your creativity? And I think that daydreaming and imagination um, really need to be divorced from that idea that you have to be creating something concrete from them. Um, I think that mil- mental agility is itself a goal. Um, I think that the ability to do these things, the ability to maneuver around things, I think they build the ability to empathize. If you can understand other things and other people and other viewpoints, you can put yourself in their position and it gives you the ability to empathize with them. Um, If you can allow yourself to imagine new things that have never existed before, it creates the ability to wonder about things. You know, instead of saying, oh, what's behind this door, and thinking only of the practical, factual things that are behind that door, you get to live in a world where what's behind that door, it could be anything. It could be a pink elephant, you know, it it could be anything. Um, And that sense of wonder, I think, is, it makes for a richer life environment than anything practical would ever do. Also, it allows you to play along. It allows you to play along with other people. It allows you to play along with ideas and to, and to embrace other people's creativity and not to shut them down because you're incapable of making that mental leap to embrace what it is they're putting forward as their imagination, as their creation. And ultimately, I think that builds for a richer life. It makes for a more um, varied environment And I think it develops the mental muscles that are most important and most valuable for humanity that I think that a lot of people tend to miss. Um, So, you know, as I wrap up this episode, I just I I, kind of want to tie it together and, you know, encourage you to take time to turn off your devices and um, to fill in the gaps and to appreciate those times of of boredom and those moments where you have a lack as an ability, a chance to to fill in those things, a chance to embrace the amazing skills that you've been given as a human being and the amazing abilities you have to do things that um, you know that that are really powerful and unique. So. Um, You know, with that being said, I want to encourage everyone to uh, not be ashamed to play 
And uh, thank you for listening to this episode. Hopefully it went better. And um, I look forward to the next one. So um, I will catch you then. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye. If you're enjoying the show and would like to help me feed myself, keep the lights on, and continue making episodes, direct PayPal donations and other inquiries can be sent to thesapientsimeon at gmail.com. That's thesapientsimeon at gmail.com. I do have a Patreon page, also under The Sapient Simeon, where you can get exclusive access to view my other work from years past, paintings, designs, projects, and experiments seen nowhere else. With your help, I can maintain the show as a commercial-free broadcast we all can enjoy, but a key part in that process is reaching out to encourage me and show your appreciation. In the meantime, I would like to thank you for listening and doing what you can to help share my work with others. Until next time, stay curious.